Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Who I am, I mean, who is one thing, you know? That's what people think of you. Are, are, like most people say, are you Spud's dad? Like, like and then you want to say, no, no. I'm the actor, you know, I'm, 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 I got someone acting. They're like, oh, yeah, but where's your car? <laughs> so, you know, the suspension of disbelief thing, the people battle to, you know, it's like acting really crazy on stage. You know, people, when you act normal, people think you're acting. <laughs> It'll come to you just now. All right. All right, I'll just quickly tell you a little bit about who I am, you know, just because you're all worried that why they let this guy on the stage, and I agree with you. Uh, this is my family. Um, that's us. We very rarely look like that because, you know, if those have had lots of kids, they're always fighting and stuff. I've got three daughters, and that's my wife. That's not a daughter. It's actually my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, now, um, all right, don't clap. You should, but, you know, because <laughs> they're filming this one. I thought I'd say that. I'm going to send that to her. Okay, um, so, so that's my family. I'll tell you a bit more about them just now. Uh, I, um, yeah, it's a ch- it's a, it's a, that's part of the story, but uh, they, they are amazing people and, you know, I often think that they just grow up in spite of me, literally. You know, you make so many mistakes as a father, but uh, still, you know, God is good. And I, I, was, I was brought up, uh, I'm Irish, uh, Irish Catholic, actually, um, which means that you never understood what was happening at church because it was in Latin. You know that vibe? <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was a joke. It was true. Okay. It just means you knelt and you knew all the times what you had to do, and that was, that was fine, you know. And then you got an ice cream if you didn't talk too much or whatever. I was in Ireland, then I immigrated here. My, I come from a family of musicians. Um, they're all slightly crazy. Uh, my father's actually the band, those of you who are older, a band called the Blarney Brothers. If any of you know who they are, they are my uncle and my dad. Um, and so that's. That's the, my family. I, I have ADD. I think I did mention that to you. So if I get slightly distracted in the middle, you know, <laughs> it just, I'll eventually get there. I'll, I'll swing back. I'll swing back round, you know. <laughs> Are there ADD people? Are there any other ADD people? One, just you can put your hand. Okay, actually, don't put your hand up because you could. Whoa, look, my hand. Okay, um, yeah, I understand. I understand. And is it like I, I make a joke? I, those of you, I did a show here on um, Friday. And I, I play a guy who's slightly ADD and in one of those, and I say that it's an advantage um, to be ADD now, that we understand it better, because it, it, you know, it's, it's an advantage uh, once you finish school, if you can, because <laughs> it increases your survival chances. Eh? <laughs> There's a wild animal in the bush, oh, I will notice it first. <laughs> I could forget about it again, then notice it again. You know, like, <laughs> especially if there's a chocolate but, um, the, the, you know, I, I, I want to just say this, and I did say it earlier, but I want to say it again. I, I have been in the presence of really bad evangelism or message delivery of the gospel. I really have, and I'm very aware that I, I could very easily fall into that category. So I, I, my, my prayer is that whatever I say that's truth-filled truth and useful, that you would take it on, and whatever I say that isn't, you would just drop it, really. Um, I make no guarantees, but I'm here to give a type of testimony, and I'll tell you as honestly as I can a little bit about my journey to this point. But, you know, uh, really, uh, you know, I've, I've, I have brought notes, and I did say that, that in my profession, you're not allowed notes. 
if you bring notes normally, you don't get paid. <laughs> As a comedian, <laughs> you know, what are you doing reading? <laughs> but obviously, I'm not getting paid, so who cares? So, anyway. <laughs> You know that, that vibe, uh, you know, uh, you know that people describe the gospel, I don't know if you know any of this stuff, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I used to mock it before I was a Christian, you know, that I hear people talking about it like, you know, repent, you know, sucker, you know, the guys with small tracks, and as you stop at the thing, they just, under your windscreen, in old King James, you can't, and thou, dost. and they follow you and that, you know, hope you got an asbestos suit, you know, at the end of days, there'll be great wailing and gnashing of teeth. And, and, oh, some lady says, I, d I don't have any teeth. <laughs> teeth will be provided. <laughs> I'm aware of that. I'm aware of all that. So I'm just, it's like a, a disclaimer. You know, I make disclaimers, so, you know, lucky I just, I'm just visiting. So I am a comedian, and I'm a Christian, and... It's been amazing to me since I've walked this journey. How many people seem to find that that's like, they're not sure how that can actually work. Are you a comedian? Yeah. But you're also a Christian? Yes. <sighs> you know, they're trying to find those two files in the same you know, part of the computer, but they, they can't. So I, I just, let me just try and explain it this way, that your job as a comedian, comedian is such a loose term. I mean, there's some comedians I really don't like. I mean, they just seem to just make, just want to, you know, insult people. I, I don't feel that I'm one of those people, but I do believe that your job is, is to wrestle with a line. You know, what's truth, what isn't? What are we prepared to talk about outside of the, um, you know, when no one's watching and what aren't? I mean, we find that a lot in the church, don't we? That, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, what's said in the car park is not what we're prepared to say in here and so on. But the job of, of, of the comedian is to find those lines and say, well, how far can we push it and what's acceptable and what isn't? Um, it's a bit like playing rugby. As, you know, Ivan Etzebeth, you know, when the whistle goes and he's playing rugby, his job is to be the enforcer, to try and hurt people, and everyone loves that because that's actually his job for the 90 minutes or 80, 80 minutes for the interval. Hey, but what he doesn't do is tackle, you know, pensioners <laughs> in the spa because that's not really his job description, right? Everyone understands within the spa, that's, that's not on. You know, whereas on a stage getting paid to be a comedian, your job is to wrestle with some of the, the more difficult sort of concepts. And that's, you know, and, and I feel I've been made that way, that I have a, that slightly dissident mindset. Uh, it's a big word. It just means that I think of things from funny angles, you know. can't help myself. You know, I, I, I want to be normal, but I think I'm the only normal person. But my wife says, I'm not, do not. Uh, so, um, yeah, so being true to, to who I am and so on. You know, I think... I think it's, I mean, I read the Bible. I mean, when I started reading the Bible, I just thought it was incredibly interesting when I really started reading it for the first time. You know, um, you know Adam and Eve, they get tempted to, you know, by the snake to eat the fruit and then they get kicked out of the biblical club med <laughs> doing a living in the real world. Then, then um, Cain murders Abel and things go quickly, uh, pear-shaped, for the whole Adam's family. Now the question is, <laughs> if you're like me, you start asking questions like, you know, where do the dinosaurs fit in? And then of course, if the kids ask, they just say, in the ground. <laughs> They're dead now. Um, you know, or like, other things are challenging once you start having a look. You know, if the sun and the moon were made on the, on the 
third day, fourth day, you know, how long were the first two days, you know? <laughs> as long as it takes to eat your vegetables. You know, if it's only Adam and Eve, you know, incest, you know, how did that all work? <laughs> Those are the kids' questions. Or, you know, what, uh, uh, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I always say, I don't know. <laughs> but we know that in the Bible, Adam came before Eve. And it's, it's been happening a lot since then. Okay, I want to look at... <laughs> I, just, I just kept talking until Mark got nervous. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> okay, let's look at, let's look at a, a, a scripture which I feel was put on my heart today to look at. And if this is in your way, let's just move that for now. Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, this is the, um, the, the scripture. I, I did make a beginning. Uh, okay. So one night when the king, you know, most of you know, us know this story if you've been around the Bible or Christian circles for any length of time. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early in the morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened up the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. We love these stories. I love these stories. I love that story. Because if you know, there was a small town. The king was trying to shut off. We were just going to go and surround, take Elisha captive, and God just shows up. It, with chariots of fire. Boom. Thanks for coming. You're out. <laughs> uh, have you noticed that, like, chariots of fire? I only thought of that today. That, like, does God really have chariots? I mean, does God use chariots of fire? Maybe not, but if they had chariots, we got chariots of fire. Hey. <laughs> Ours are hot. It's like, just to show them who's who, you know, you got that, we got better ones. Um, <laughs> never mind, maybe it's only me. Anyway, um... <laughs> You know, do they have chariots in heaven? Never mind, never mind. But all I'm saying is that it's, everything is a visual representation. It's a lesson. It's something so we can learn. It's, also, it's for us to learn. It's not just for them to win. And, and um, so, so, but we love that. We love that. Um, that happened at a place called Dothan. That was the town that it happened. And I happened to notice, uh, we'll come back to that also. Like we come back to everything when you're ADD. But um, <laughs> the, the, uh, something else happened at Dothan, which is amazing. And that was the, the actual place where Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. They were, they were around Dothan, they'd gone to Dothan, he went to meet them there, they grabbed him, because if you read the story of, of uh, Joseph, he was, he was a problem child. His father had created a real brat, there was favoritism, the, the family, family dynamic wasn't great, uh, he had favorite wives, favorite children, the family actually was in an absolute mess, the 12 brothers. And, um, and uh, this toxic, situation built to the point where the brothers said, let's get rid of him. Well, they didn't, and they sold him into slavery, also in Dothan. Now, we see in the first story how everything happens, and in Joseph's story, when, if you know the story of Joseph, it just goes on and on and on, and we know that Joseph knew God. He knew God, but yet we see this, he was in jail, and he was out, then he was a slave, then he was in jail. You know, he just, this, this seemed to go on and on. He must have been praying. I mean, why? 
why when we pray one time as the chariots of fire, the next time it seems to be silence? Hmm. I'd like to just um, talk a little bit about my journey to this point before we get back to that. And um, I, I, um, I met my wife, I mentioned that. I married her, shame, I felt sorry for her. And um, no, no, we went out for a long time. We had, uh, we met, met her, she's also a working actress, very, very, very good uh, comedian, uh, award-winning actress. And um, we met, we went out for a long time. We got married, I had my first child, uh, uh, Kaylee. I nearly forgot her name. And then my second daughter, uh, Holly. I was traveling a lot at that stage. Career was really taking off. I was doing work and writing shows. And I was in um, Mossel Bay, and I arrived back from Mossel Bay, and Lisa was going to pick me up, and she didn't arrive. I phoned home, and uh, I found out there'd been an accident at home, and Lisa just said, get home. Just get home. She wasn't saying much. I rushed home. I got a taxi. I rushed home to find that my youngest daughter had been killed in a, uh, a terrible accident uh, at home. My, the car had rolled back over her. Um, I just arrived back to carnage, you know, literally, emotionally, figuratively, and, and for those of you who've experienced that type of tragedy, you'll know that in one, one second, it happens so suddenly, one second everything is sort of fairly normal, the next second life is completely unrecognizable. You don't know who you are, you don't know how you feel, I just knew that my whole family was in an absolute mess. My wife was on the edge of her sanity. My elder daughter was feeling guilty. She felt that she was responsible for her sister's death. And so I had to move straight into, even though I was grieving and didn't know what I was doing, I had to move into rescue mode. I was calling the same day, calling therapists and to get people around to talk. And I, I didn't know what to do. I was just hearing advice. And it was really, it was very, very hard. And I decided to do the right thing. I wasn't going to lose my whole family in a day. Um, uh, which very man response, you know, be strong. Pity we don't always know what strong is, but, we, we, you know. My wife had the opposite um, response. She just went straight to Jesus. She, during the, the death of her daughter, she just prayed and she felt that God had spoken to her. And that continued after her, throughout the, the grieving process. Not so much me. I felt that I had to be the responsible, you know, unemotional, you know, un unemotional. Let's just try and... You know, and, and what happened over a long period of time is that I, I ended up sort of emotionally flatlining to, by, by trying to do the right thing. I, I, I said, well, I can't function when I go into that deep, dark place of depression. So I said, well, I won't feel that. I literally will stop myself. If there's anything that I feel is spiking me downwards, the music, I'll switch it off. I'll, I'll just will refuse to go there. But for those of you who understand this process, you'll know that once you do that, you also cut off the top part of the graph. So if, if you have highs and lows, when you cut off the bottom, you actually cut off the top. So instead of having a natural flow, you have this sort of flat line, emotional response. And that's what happened to me. It's not that you don't understand right and wrong or what's important. You just don't feel it. You don't have an emotional connection to it. Uh, you, you still think you understand what's the right thing to do, but you don't necessarily have an emotional connection to it. You just have this periods of sporadic anger at why the world isn't as it should be. That lasted for nearly seven years, and then time I, I kept working as a comedian, which was, when I think back, was completely bizarre. Um, and I had uh, two more children, 
uh, again, you know, God is good, even in the dark times, you know, dark, you got my career, I was given a gifting for, for this, and I, my career was doing well, um, and I had a, a, a son, and then another daughter, younger daughter, uh, Declan, and, and then a Grace, and my, I called, <laughs> my, I woke up one morning, and God has a wonderful sense of humor, and I never named my children, none of them, but my last child, when she was born, I just said, I woke up one morning and said, her name will be Grace. And, and Lisa was quite like, uh, I don't know, that's not your, I'm, I'm the one who decides the names. You know, we would talk about it, then she would decide. You know that type of, the way women are, okay, okay, no. All right, I, I, you, know, you know that, that thing, you know, anyway. But, but I just woke up one morning and said, Grace. She said, oh, that's quite, I mean, it's lovely, it's quite, it's a, maybe a little bit old-fashioned. I said, Grace is nice. I, I'm, I think we're going to go with that. She was like, <laughs> no. But Grace it was. And because I, 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 I think that was God just letting me know that Grace was about to erupt into my life, yeah. you know. And uh, so I was in the bath not long after that. Not that you need to know the details of that, but I'm just giving you a context. Lisa comes in and gives me the story. She says, I've heard that we just did a, this thing on stats at the church, because she was still going to church. She said, uh, if I go to church every week, Every weekend during the week, the kids will say, but you don't go. The kids will see that as sort of a hobby, right? But if you go two or three times a year, the kids will, you lead the way. They will start to think that maybe this might be worth considering as a reality. What do you think about that? I'm in the bath. <laughs> and then said, would you like to go to church on Sunday? I said, and she was going to this new church called, funny enough, what was it called? Grace. Never mind. Now, I said, Okay, like what can you say after that? I thought, well, I better go. I still thought God was real, but maybe not in the way these religious folk talk about it, you know, you know, with all their ritual and, you know, God is much more, you know, nebulous than that, you know. It's not, a, you know, it's not the way they make it out where you're not allowed to do things. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I go there, I go to the church and Saturday, and sure enough, it's a, it's a bit like a church, like quite a, you know, a, a, a community church like this, a little bit bigger, like more kit, you know, more, like I'm just thinking, yeah, I'll spend a lot of money in this place, eh? You know, they bring the basket around, I get in immediate dinosaur arms. <laughs> you know, they're not going to get my cash, you know, that story. Anyway, <laughs> so... You know, but, but, not, but nothing made sense about this place. That's all I can tell you. Like the guy who was the pastor, was, looked like a bouncer, you know? And, and he was very interesting, but he, he, just, he didn't speak like with any sort of religious tones. Or, and, and the guys, and not, no one was playing the right role at all. I said, no, no. You know, and, but they're doing well, these others. I said, look at this. How, how is this working? You know, what is going on here? If, how can this be doing this well, but no one really is doing a fantastic job? If I was, you know, casting the movie, none of these oaks would have a part. None of them. <laughs> so I thought, no, this is, now that really intrigued me because I thought, what is going on? So I came back again. And, and true, the, the, the preacher, I must say, Mark, the, the pastor there was an incredible teacher of the word and a very practical application. I just thought, this, this guy's reading my emails, you know. This guy's talking to me every week. He's, and he even looks at me sometimes. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> So eventually, I'm the first guy in the car. Get in the car. Go. Let's go. You know, get there, get there. And one day, I was sitting in the church, and it wasn't a, I don't think it was a deeply moving moment. It wasn't like there was a, um, 
a call for witness, a call for salvation. Not really, not a call for someone to put up their hand. I was just sitting there and I had this encounter. And I had this, suddenly had this vision of myself um, like I'd fallen over a cliff, like a car had rolled over a cliff. Have you seen this in the movie? And then you look, it looks like the guy's gone, but there's a, like a tree stump or something, and the guy's hanging on, you know? But that was me. I saw myself, and I was hanging on. And I could just see I was exhausted. Eh? And, and, and then I heard this voice. I had a thought. I'm not sure. It felt like a voice. And, and God said to me, let go. I'll catch you. And I remember, I remember that time like it's, like it's yesterday, you know? Like the, the hope and the panic in my heart of, I can't, you know, you don't understand. I'm holding on by a thread here. If I let go and this is not real, I am going to shatter. I'm going to break into a million unfindable pieces, you know? I'm just going to, I'm not going to be no use to my family. And God just said, didn't answer that. He just said, you let go. I'll catch you. And I just said, all right, here it goes. And my wife, no one knew beside me what was going on. I just said, okay, that's it. And I, I just made a commitment right there. I said, Lord, this is it. I'm, 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 I'm yours. You just take me. And it was instantaneous, you know, like water filling a dry basin. I felt life return to me. Life, all the, like the joy and the sorrow together. And the, the incredible thing is that it was almost the sorrow I missed more than the joy, because to not feel empathy for something else is a, such a cruel and terrible world. You know, not to feel pain when something is painful is a, is a torture which is hard to describe. And I think a lot of us are in that place, guys. We're so numb, you know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's what happens to us. May, not always in this case, like me, quite suddenly, sometimes it's very slow, but we, like, a, like a frog in a hot kettle, we just suddenly get, get the, the sensitivity boiled out of us, you know. Anyway, and life returned, and, and the restoration with my family was, felt pretty immediate to me, although I'm, I mean, the thing about being a Christian now, a Christ follower, is that my only regret, and I know it's so stupid, is that how much damage I did beforehand, that I, I you get the chance to work through and see, and God reveals that to you when, you have, when you're capable of seeing it, you know? Because I thought I was quite a good guy. Must, I was doing the right things, you must understand. You know, I, if only people would listen to me, everything would be much better. <laughs> no one's laughing, that's bad. Okay, <laughs> but you know that feeling that, you know, it's, it's, I'm the only logical person. Everyone's too emotional. I'm, I was that guy, you know, and I just squashed and, and was not kind when I thought it was right, which has no place in the gospel. Anyway, God literally plucked me out of a place of death. I understand when God said, leave the dead to bury the dead, because many of us die long before we stop breathing, you know. And, and I was really nearly there, you know, but God is gracious, and he, he had a plan, and he, and he just he pulled me out of that place. And, and, and I, well, another thing that sort of kept me out of the church was that I thought you had to be a type of person, you know. Someone had all the answers and very straight up and down. You know those type of people, they, you know, they have everything waxed and they're not ADD and they wear 28 pants or whatever, you know. You know, 30, 30, sorry, whatever. Anyway, and they have a full head of hair, you know, like this guy looks 12 and he's like been married for 40 years or something. Never mind. 
sorry about that the other day. I thought you were joking. He was at the show the other day and I was, I was mocking him and he's a visitor. You know, it doesn't get worse than that, you know. <laughs> I felt quite bad. Anyway, so, so I thought it was for one type of person, this, this, this church thing. And I didn't fit in, you know. I really didn't. But then the, the, the realization came that that was the ultimate lie. That, that if you're not prepared to take your place within the body of the church, there's no one else. You provide a vital cog. What, what it is that you look like is, um, if you're different, that's good, because if everyone was the same, you'd only need one person. You know what I mean? They'd, they'd have it. And, and that was a realization that slowly dawned on me, you know, that everyone needs to take their place, otherwise the church doesn't work. And I, I had my place to take, whether it's a comedian or what, my way of thinking, or as long as Jesus is in it, it'll be all right. You know, it doesn't have to be cruel. It doesn't have to be condescending if you're a comedian. It, it can be insightful. Yeah. It can be decisive. It can break open places where people, the darkness hides, and we say it's okay to talk about that because it's real, isn't it? Let's talk about it, you know. Maybe that's part of the comedian, to speak truth to power. That's part of our, uh, our calling too. And, and I realized that that was part of my, my calling. Um, quickly, my... At the same time of that tragedy going on, life is like this, a young girl came to live with us, a young, a young baby, in fact. Um, and at the, when, when she first arrived, it was very hard for my wife. Uh, she was um, a, a child born out of wedlock to a very young girl. Uh, you might have seen it when my family, I had one of them was, you know, slightly more dark-skinned than the others. <laughs> And uh, it was great, you know, we just at the beginning, Irish, <laughs> get out this, sun. come on, stop that sun, sunbathing. Um, um, stop it now, stop it, you see what's happening here, it's not my fault, sorry, sorry guys. And anyway, um, so in the beginning it was very tough because we just lost a child, so literally in the beginning, when the, the, the child, the mother had, was unwed, and she was a relative of the lady who was working full-time in our house, and a, a wonderful young girl, but she literally had no means, and said, could you stay with her grandmother? So, and we just said, listen, it just, it's just can't be right now, because every time my wife saw a ch child, she sort of burst into tears, you know. So it just is not fair on her. So it took a sh short period of time, but about nine months to a year later, that little child arrived back, and now she was walking around, and, and she just sort of stayed after the holidays, you know, just sort of. So hiding around corners, and said, okay, that's no, fine, it's fine, uh, no, we're ready for that, it's fine for a while, and then so eventually needed to move in, so where's she going to stay, can't stay with you, Gogo, she's, you know, she's a young girl, it's, so we made a bed, and just the normal stuff, as if someone was visiting for a while, and, and then, you know, boom, we realized the mom was trying to make a living elsewhere, it's fine. A few years later, actually four or five years later, she'd been staying there for a while, and was really quite part of the family, found that her father had passed away, because she knew her father, they weren't married, and uh, uh, there were some complications, but she'd seen him a few times, and he had passed away. And my daughter lined, my eldest daughter, who now is here in Cape Town, lined me up with all the rest of the kids. There was four of them, all these tots, like, like almost vanishing into the floor, little one. And, 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 and Kaylee said, Dad, Dad, Kaylee, uh, uh, Fiona's upset. I said, oh. Yeah, I said, her dad died. I said, yeah, I know. But said, Dad, I've told her not to worry. <laughs> you just know where that's going. He's just like, oh boy, here goes. Says, I've told her not to worry. I've told her you'll be her dad. Hey. No, children have got it, hey. Children understand. There's a need, you're a dad. There, go for it. You're like, 
know, what can you do, really? I mean, what is the answer to that? You just, no. I said, I said okay, of course, love. Yeah, that's great. You can, that's great, love. You can call me. That's right. Of course, I'll be your dad. No problem. They don't understand. You're like, <laughs> you know, you realize that you've made a commitment to that. Now, it's, remember the years and go, go by, and it, it was quite complicated. It was fine. They would grow up as, as a family, and the mom, we think her mom, um, Bali was a, I must honor her, she was an incredible woman, eh? and really did her best for her child in very difficult circumstances, and she was around and honored her daughter, and wasn't one of those like, just, I'm out, you know, but through tricky situations, and they, were, they had a good relationship. The mom, um, about four and a half years ago, encephalitis, died overnight. It was a tragedy. I remember I was working in PE, I had to fly back home. Disaster, disaster. And there was no living relative except the great-grandmother. And I said, I said to Fiona, my love, well, what about, let's do, do you want to do this thing? Let's, I mean, you are part of this family. Can we do, can we, you know, can we just make it official? Are you okay with that? I spoke to you, obviously, her, her grand, great-grandmother. She, she was so excited. said, absolutely, there was no one left. And we started to go through the process of adoption which is very complicated, and I understand why, and I think it should be, com not complicated, but I don't think it should be too easy. If too easy come, this is, we're not, you know, I, I try to explain to people who are outside the loop of this thing that we're not, you know, people think it's a, you know, I don't know what people think, this is a human being, you know, with, with a family, we're not colonialists, you know, I'll have a farm, thanks, and a child, I'm Madonna, I'll have you, okay, you know, it doesn't work like that, you know, you have no right to that child, you know, you, you, Got to treat carefully. It's it's complicated. So we started that process, and Fiona was very excited, and uh, we went through that process. And and now, you know, Fiona always tells she tells me all the time, uh, you know, that that um, I, I'm your favorite, hey, Dad. <laughs> don't tell them. It's fine. They don't have to know. <laughs> but I'm I'm your favorite. I say, yeah, I'm your favorite. My favorite, you know. And, it, and, and, and uh, has anyone been through adoption here? Is anyone in this thing? It's, it's an incredible thing. And in our country, you know, we, we've been challenged with that, that it's not about now usurping one culture into another culture. We've realized that it's about a sharing, that you can be that and that. You know, you must know your heritage. You must honor the people who have got you to this point. But we'll take it now. And you don't have to be one thing or the other. You can be both, you know. You can have just families that love you. You don't have to choose. You know what I mean? That's how you honor. You honor the, your family, and, and we honor them too, but now you, you belong in this family like you were born into it. See, that's the difference. You have rights here, the same as everybody else. And that you saw that child just um, bloom, bloom out of that, you know? Uh, this is a picture of Fiona now. I, I don't know if, it's, if you've got a picture there. That's what she looks like. I'm, I'm glad you, you moved that down. The, the full picture, there was quite a lot of cleavage there, which I... Which I <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was on the boat. Anyway, she's, she's, she's gorgeous, eh? She's gorgeous. And obviously, people don't know I'm her dad if I'm walking around with the kids. They think that she's just a free agent, and I just walk behind looking at all these boys. Is it, eh? What are you looking at? <laughs> anyway, she's 16, and, and she's the, such a blessing. And you know, what you lose... And I'm not saying that that God takes it or evil. It's just sometimes circumstances. But God is so faithful to restore. What you think is gone forever, you think you'll never feel again, you'll never love again, and suddenly you have more than you had. 
It's unbelievable. I, I don't know how. It always comes from the side. God, you don't see God moving sometimes like that. You don't see it happening when suddenly your eyes are just opened and you say, hey, this love I have for this child, I never believed it possible. Unbelievable. It's such a gift. Only God can do that, you know. Um, that, that slide earlier where it said, there are more on our side. Do you remember that with the chariots of fire? The problem is when you're in Joseph's situation, you're sitting in a jail. Life is passing. See, everyone seems to have forgotten about you. You're praying. And nothing seems to be happening. You're in the dark place. It's very easy to think, there's no one on my side. There's no one. I'm by myself here. I'm praying nothing's happening. But can I just encourage you, not through, just through my story, because that's what I've seen, but through even Joseph's story. You know, when you look at what was made whole in that story, a family that was completely dysfunctional had to be fixed and brought back together. They became the family that was Israel, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. All right, they were going to start and carry God's redemption to the world. All right, that started off pretty poorly. Okay, but yet God said, I've got a plan for those people who want to kill each other. But it's going to take some time because, you know, you think war is easy, pal. Just take out a panga or a gun and start smacking or shooting. Fixing families. Now, that takes quiet, delicate surgery. All right? It doesn't happen overnight, but God has the way. God, and, and, and not only did he do that, he saved a region. He saved the people from starvation. He, uh, Joseph was central to that. But at the time, let me just say that Joseph had no clue what was going on. He was given a dream early in his life. And he stayed faithful to God, but he must have felt pretty alone, you know, and yet he wasn't. And God was being at least as redemptive in that situation <laughs> than in the chariots of fire, boom, you know. There was just as much, if not more, happening there. So if you're finding yourself in that place of, I'm really under pressure, I don't even know if I can tell someone about it, please understand there's more on your side. Please understand that. You and God is more. Than, any, than, than the group here. I mean, obviously God uses the group. We, we're part of that group, and that, we talked about that earlier. Um, but there is always more. It may not be in your timing, but God has something more beautiful than you can ever imagine. Whether you realize it now or in eternity, I don't know the answer to that because strange things happen in this world, but I believe in the God who is making beautiful things. I don't know all the answers of how to reconnect families and, and, and our situation in our country with people trying to divide people and divide them into class and race. and I don't know how to fix that. But I do believe that God does. I believe he's the only one who can make it right. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, th thanks, Mark. And um, I, I want to just draw something before I finish because I, it took a long time for me to understand. You know, you know people often bandy around ideas like... Um, Salvation for me, it took a while for me to know what that actually meant. You know, people, salvation is where you, do you know your salvation is in? So I did a bit of research, and I'd like to just draw my version. Do you mind? I won't be long. Okay, so have you, you've seen maybe one of these things where, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's drawn like this. So uh, just say that's us here. That's man, mankind. And, and God, I'll just draw a crown for God. Because, you know, we don't know what God looks like. Let's not go there. And, um, <laughs> and dividing us is this big, can you see this sort of uh, chasm, long, 
a, like a drop, like a long drop. And, um, and sin, I'll just put sin down here. Sin has is, is created this sort of chasm, long drop, <clears throat> between us. Now, obviously, not everyone looks like this. I mean, there's some people, people that just, we just. <laughs> so you can all, you know, feel comfortable. <laughs> Where's Brett? Where's Brett here? Um, anyway, uh, no. <laughs> black belt in buffet over there. All right, now, um, uh, anyway. So <laughs> okay, now, now, let's try and keep on point. Sorry. Okay, so. You know that story. So we think, no, no, no. You know, and when pe before people understand what this is about, very spiritual people. You ever heard that people say, I'm, well, I am spiritual, and often they are. No, no, I can do it. You know, I don't need this. What, what have you got going on, this Christian thing? No, 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 no. See, I can do it. See, I can get there. So I'll just take a run up. Straight in a long drop. Boof. So thinking, you know what the problem is? Okay. You're going to love the funny part. Wait. Okay. So, so, and this is very natural, I think. I mean, you start thinking, oh, if I was a better person. If I was a better person, I would do it. Because then, I mean, that's how it works. You know, karma, life, you know, if I'm better, I'll get there. God will, you know. So you think, ah, I'll be a better person. Uh, first thing, something like, uh, I'll be a vegetarian. You know, because those, honestly, the way they treat those animals in those places is shocking. So I'm not eating that even only the fruit that falls off the tree, because I don't want them breaking the branches. Okay, now, I'm not mocking that. Sorry, I'm just saying, you know, there's people who have that type of conscience. You think, that's important, so go for it. Uh, but also then, I, I'm going to be more aware. I'm going to be more present with my family, considered more quiet. You know, so I'm going to go to, I'm going to put kids' parties. Kids' parties. As a father... I'm gonna go to parties, parties. I'm gonna go to every kid's party. I'll be the only man there. We'll talk about waxing, gonna be awesome. <laughs> you know, just put the thing down. You, you, you mentioned I'm gonna fit them, I'm gonna look better, you know, I'm gonna get a six pack again, so my wife will like me. All these things, that's gonna please someone. So then, then it's almost like you build like, a, like, a, like good works, like a trampoline. Let's just build a little trampoline here, all little springs, all the good things you're gonna do. Those are a trampoline. Now, can you see it? And now, that's got more spring in it. So, we, we run, hit the trampoline now, this, and we, boom, hit the wall. Dang, dang, dang. <laughs> I find what happens there is you just, when you have the accident, it just happens at a higher speed, really. You know what I mean? You really come a cropper because now you're moving fast. All right, so, does that ring a bell? I hope it probably does. Now, so... But then, then you get the, another view, which says, this, this is a great story, Love, like the story, sort of, but I don't, I'm not even here. I am actually somewhere down here. Okay? But I'm not as bad as the other guy down here. <laughs> Who, you know, oh, you must see what this guy's like. He is a shocker. But now I am got a wife, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a log. I've just put the log in green, there. The log may look like a nice car, a house, you know, I'm doing well, I'm, you know, whatever, a Ferrari. Okay, and, and, you, and he's a, oh, you must see what this log does on the weekends. And I'm not that guy, so I'm him, you know, but yeah. You in the long drop, pal. You're just getting used to the smell, really. 
Okay. So salvation, this idea of salvation is that what, what you can't do, what you cannot do, God does. And, and I'm just going to draw the, by the cross. I'm going to just, what Jesus does on the cross. It, and I mean, it's not, Jesus is not just doing one thing on the cross, but this is the, maybe the most important thing that he's doing on the cross. Is, I mean, he's, he's showing us how do we surrender. He's doing a whole lot of stuff to God. I mean, but but he, through this, he provides a a bridge, a platform for us to access God immediately through no, you know, having to jump through hoops immediately. Now, now our, our journey towards who we're going to be, in, in my experience now as a slightly older person, it doesn't seem like it's immediate. There's an immediacy with, with God. He, you arrive, when God arrives, there's something that changes immediately, but to Become the best version of yourself. That doesn't seem to happen overnight. It's a journey. Becoming the person you're meant to be. Yeah. You know, God's patient with you. He'll, he'll work at the speed you are able to work at, you know. He's patient. So, so and that is called, that's called grace. All right. Grace. That's what we call. Now, grace is, is as most of you theologian people will know, it's, it's not just about forgiveness of sin. Everything you do. Grace is the very fuel of life in the biblical sense. Grace is, you know, we, a sinner, me, needs grace for forgiveness, but a saint needs more grace, eh? Because everything he does or she does is fueled by it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yes? Grace is the fuel of the saint. Okay. So when you start moving into the work of, the, of Jesus, of God, you need more grace all the time because it's not by your own strength, yes? Okay, good. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, oh yes, let me do a little shower here because, you know, I'm just doing a little shower up there because also you're washed clean by the blood because if you're down here, you could just monkey climb, all the way up like a coconut climb, tree climber and you get like a little shower at the top, they're called washed by the blood of Jesus and that worried me when I first heard about it because it just didn't seem like how could that wash you you know it seemed like it would just make you know it seems worse (laughs) am I the only one who thinks like this those sort of Christian phrases freak me out you know bride of Christ I don't want to be a bride I I don't want to (laughs) but 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 understand I like the thing of prison or something but but um I understood that the, the sorry guys, I'm, I'm, I'm lowering the tone, but understand this, the washing of blood is, is washing at such a, at a DNA level, yeah, at, a, at a foundational molecule level that we are transformed. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the Holy Spirit, that God is always at work changing us so that we don't have to try to be better, we are better. Yeah. We, we become new creation. We don't have to act like we're new because we actually are new. We feel new. We can hardly stop talking about us. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, so, and the last thing I want to draw is I want to draw a little railing here. Um, just on the top of that with maybe a few balustrade points. Because what we want to try and avoid is, you know, some people wait like, till they're older or old, you know, to cross the line of faith. You know, ooh, now, it's like a life insurance policy. Ooh, I'm, that's nearly ending. I better get across that now. You know. <laughs> like somehow life is on this side and we just have to get over there just in time before we die so we can carry on. Really? I mean, if this is the good news, it's got to be good for now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, life, is, life is here. 
you know, and, and that, you know, we have to, it's, if you want to go to heaven, go now. Heaven is available. That's what we believe. We've got to believe that. Otherwise, this is all a joke, you know what I mean? So, so don't wait until you're older. This is not insurance policy. This is life, yeah. you know? This is life. Um, so that's the, the view of, of, of salvation. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, my, 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 favorite, my favorite scripture, and I'm going to finish with that, is this one. Why don't you put that up? Uh, it's maybe the most widely used scripture ever. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I only realized later that the word I am has got massive ramifications within the revelation of God. That when God says, who, when Moses asks, who are you? And he says, I am. It's not by chance that Jesus uses that, uses that again. That the mystery of who he is is more than the carpenter, you know. And I'm just putting that out there because sometimes we have this narrow idea of Jesus that he's not involved with people like that. But Jesus is saying, I am the mystery of creation. I am. That's the I am that's speaking. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for too long, I believed that the life part was life. You know, church life was like the small thing. I am the big life. God is calling us to big life. You better believe it. That's the truth. It's big. And it's, it's alive. And I, I've realized that. I've waited too long. And I'm just, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me here today to be able to give you a small crazy testimony about how the only one who can save has taken a deep interest in someone even like me who really tried his best to really mess up his life and yet God has a place for me. Thank you so much.